for all the blessings that you have given us. A lot of times, Lord, I overlook uh, the gifts that you give, uh, the mercy that you have for me, and the miracles that you continue to perform. Uh, We thank you, Lord, that you have intervened in the past, that you're still at work today, and someday we're going to see the full effect of your power, your might, your glory. We look forward to that day. We understand, though, Lord, and hopefully we understand here today in this room, that in this building, that you desire to use us. You want to use us, that you have a plan for us, that we aren't to be idle. We're to be busy about your work, following you in a relationship with you, growing in you. And so we pray for that, Lord. And as we look to your word today, I ask that you would continue to work in our hearts and our minds, that we would fully understand that which you want us to know and to be convicted of, that we would listen, that we would follow you, Lord. And if we are not already in a relationship with you, Lord, an intimate relationship with you, that we would begin one, that if we have not come to know you as our Savior, that we would turn to you. And that if we are just sitting idly by, if we're tired, if we're weak, that you would strengthen us to press on. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We ask for your your guidance. In Jesus' name, amen. So many uh, weeks ago, we began a study in Colossians. And so we're going to turn to Colossians here in the New Testament, the book of Colossians written by inspiration of the Holy Spirit through the hand of Paul. Uh, Yesterday, as we were up on the river, I mentioned in the prayer request uh, that we were picking up kayakers, and my brother-in-law hit hit a hole with a four-wheeler. And as all that took place, I was, I've been thinking about last night and this morning, that song was based off of Revelation 12, verse 11. In Revelation 12, verse 11, it says, And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life even when faced with death. And that passage is in the midst of when Satan, the accuser, is cast from heaven midway through the tribulation after a great war. And the song itself that I I was thinking of, and many of you, hopefully you've heard it, uh, we have overcome, right? By the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony. But the song believes it to be, and I think it is correct, but but I need to study a little bit more about the redeemed, whether it is the tribulation saints or us. I believe it is against the reality that Satan does stand to accuse the justified. Now, we are justified if we've placed our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is, we're declared righteous even though we're guilty. We are sinners. We're born into sin. We sin. There's a lot more to that. But anyway, yesterday we were picking up uh, the young ones and, and Luke came along and without seeing the whole bit, you know, I was standing on the far side of the pickup, saw him come down on the four-wheeler and the grass was pretty level, even though there was about a three to four foot drop and probably about two to three foot wide hole there. 
uh, or path really for where the cattle and horses go down across the Dismal River. And uh, he hit it, and evidently my wife and I were having a good conversation about how the kayak should go on the trailer or how we can do it. And uh, finally Lorraine got our attention, and and Luke was laying there in tall grass uh, having face planted into the dirt or something with the four-wheeler on its side. That'll wake you up real fast, won't it? So we were really cautious. Thankfully, my brother-in-law, you know, Casey was there and some of them that have had EMT training. And we were very cautious. It took all afternoon. But as that was happening, all I could think of was this psalm. We have overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of His testimony. And the question for us today is, where do we stand with the preeminent Messiah, Jesus Christ? Where do you stand? Do you know Jesus is your Savior? Do you have an intimate relationship with Him? Do you care? And no matter what happens on this earth, whether we're taken away in a moment through some accident, or if we have some disease that is hampering our lives, if we have pain, turmoil, distress, what matters is where we stand with Him. And can you sing along with us? We have overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of His testimony. It's emotional to go through all those things, the difficult things. Accidents or diseases or distresses. And these life-changing events can, can really plague a person, but it's emotional. And what do you have to cling to in those moments? You know, we have the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and this passage here in Colossians 1.13-18 that, that we have come to study today is extremely significant for all of us. It's significant on this most joyous holiday. Maybe not the most joyous holiday, but a great holiday for those of us here in the States. Because we know the freedoms. Hopefully we understand the freedoms that we get to enjoy. But in Colossians 1, 13 through 13-18, the passage we're going to study today, its, its extreme significance is that it declares the truth, it proclaims that Jesus is preeminent. That is, that Jesus is King. That Jesus is God. That Jesus rules. And it should comfort and guide us. And so, the statement we're going to say today that hopefully will stick with all of us as we move forward in the days, the months, the years to come is that the preeminent Messiah is a believer's comfort and stability in a difficult world. He's the comfort and stability. That is, He gives us the comfort that we need, (laughs) and He should give you the stability in a shaky world, right? And so, follow along as we read this passage, and I'm jumping back really into the last paragraph of the last portion of Scripture that we've done, and it begins by saying, for He, 
rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. The the first T is evidently pointing to the Father who has transferred us into Jesus' kingdom in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He, that is Jesus, is an image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for the people here in this church and in this world today, right? Is that what it says? Are you following along? I just want to make sure you're awake. Is it for us? No, it's for him. It says here in this passage that it has been created through him, that's Jesus, and for him, that's Jesus, That's not Lee. That's not you. He, in verse 17, is before all things, and in Him all things hold together or consist. Verse 18, He is also head of the body, the church, and He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that He Himself will come to have first place in everything. Now, we're kind of stopping in the middle of this passage, but hopefully uh, we can get through what we've just read through, exegete it, study it here this morning. So when we look at this passage, we're going to break it down and hopefully grasp some of the truth. Hopefully we can get the full impact of it. So when we were going through Missouri, we like to buy fireworks in Missouri. That's where we would buy them when I was a kid when we were traveling through. The fortunate years that we were traveling through, we'd get them there. And so I got some, but I thought I'd go with the 200 grams or whatever, you know, the fireworks, not, not as explosive. My brother-in-law didn't do that. So when we shot these puppies in the air, you could feel the concussion. The, you call it the concussion as it goes up, and then boom, when it goes off, and you could hear it down the valley in the hills. It was awesome. I felt a little manlier. Um, Anyway, you could feel the impact of those artillery shells. But here, we should hopefully get the impact here of this passage. First, we should be impacted by the truth that the preeminent Messiah rescued us in verse 13 and 14. Those of us who believed... The Father really has placed us and Jesus is involved in because Jesus is the one through His blood, through His life, He paid. That has redeemed us. He paid with His life. He paid for the penalty of our sins. And so in verse 13 and 14, we see that the the preeminent Messiah and and. If we could, we would put it in bold. If you have the bulletins, there's an insert there for you, and it's in bold. That is, Messiah should be in bold, but it is the Messiah, Jesus, who has rescued us by what He has done. And so when we look at verse 13 and 14, first we see the Father placed us in Jesus' kingdom. That is, it's a better place, right? Surely we know that. It's a better place than in the dark world, so it's a brighter place. that We have more hope We should have more excitement. We should have more purpose. We should be more driven than the rest of the world because we have been placed into a beautiful kingdom, an eternal kingdom. 
This is a new kingdom for us, but it is an eternal kingdom because now we have eternal life and we will live with Him someday in the future forever. We also find in that passage it is Jesus who has redeemed us, and I already mentioned that. He bought us with His life. He rescued us. And then He forgave us. That is, I love in Romans when it talks about, especially Romans chapter 5, about how we have been justified or how His righteousness has been imputed upon us. But we have been forgiven. We no longer have to pay the penalty for our sins. We are saved. Right? We know that. But praise the Lord! We're no longer in the kingdom of Satan. We're no longer in the kingdom where we are blind, deaf to the things of God. We are no longer in the kingdom where we're going to have to pay someday in eternity for, that is forever, for our sins that we can never pay for in hell. We have been saved. And so the simple truth is that we know where we are headed and we know where we are and we know someday when when we head to heaven who will greet us on the other side is Lord Jesus Christ. And today we continue to share in the added blessings for some reason by God's grace upon this nation. We are free as individuals to worship the Lord as we see fit. And there's people that worship other things as they see fit, which they have the freedom to do. But we have the freedom to strive uh, to live in the way that we see fit. And hopefully that way is the way of the Lord. Are you following the Lord? Because a lot of people don't follow His way. You know, there's many who, are, who have turned from God because of the blessings of God. So hopefully the blessings that we receive in this nation aren't turning us away from Him. But sadly, I believe today there are many who have. They've been indoctrinated by lies. They've been following false doctrines. Don't be fooled. If it contradicts the Word of God, it is a lie from the pit of hell. Follow the Lord Jesus Christ. So what we find here is that you know, Jesus is the King. Jesus is our Savior. We are in His kingdom. Therefore, we should follow Him. There's some questions we can ask. First question I want you to ask yourself, what would others see if they were to look back on, our, on my life? What would other people see if they were to look back on my life? What do you see? You need to ask yourself, what do I see in my life? Do I see it? Do I see Jesus as my Savior? Do I follow Him as a preeminent Messiah? So that was really more than one question, wasn't it? So that, that's under the realm of one question, okay? Second question, which really isn't the second question, but... Will you help to rescue some? There's a world out there that is blinded by the evil one. Will you help? Will you point them to Jesus? Will you help them uh, see who he is? 
You know, the, the preeminent Messiah, He uses us to reach the lost. And people are lost. People walk around and they want you to think that they have it perfect. Of course, you know, on social media, we all have it just perfect, right? Isn't that right? Oh, look at these new shoes I got. They're just perfect, and this family is perfect. We never fight. We all get along. And my boat's just perfect, right? It never breaks down. No. But inside, if they don't know Jesus, they're hurting. Even believers, we struggle. We need encouragement. And God has called us into a family to encourage one another and to reach the lost with the gospel. Right? Maybe? Am I going somewhat in the right direction? Y'all with me? Well, the second impact of this passage is that the preeminent Messiah is the greatest of all time. Have you heard that phrase this year? The Chiefs should have won. You know where I'm headed, right? I don't care how great he is. G-O-A-T. I'm not going to call Jesus a goat, but greatest of all time. Who's the greatest of all time? Jesus is the greatest of all time. Amen? Look at verse 15, first part of verse 15. Number one, why is he the greatest of all time? Well, in verse 15, He is the image of the invisible God. That is, He is God. He's the visible representation of God. He's the second person of the Trinity. He is fully God and fully man. The image in this passage doesn't doesn't take away from that at all. What God was wanting these people to understand in Colossae is that Jesus is God. And so they... Well, image here is kind of like, you know, when you take out a penny. Who's on a penny? Anybody know who's on a penny? Do we even look at pennies anymore? If there's a penny in the dirt, would you stop to pick it up? I would, but that's an image. I believe it's Abraham Lincoln, isn't it? Am I right? Okay. That's the word there, but it doesn't mean that he's not any less God. He is fully God and fully man. What it means is He is a visible representation of the Godhead. That is, He came and Jesus said in the Gospel of John, you can't know the Father unless you know Me. He is God. Second reason that He's the greatest of all time, is He is preeminent. And you're like, man, you've been throwing that word out. I'm not sure what that word means. Let's look at verse, the second part of verse 15. And it says, the firstborn of all creation. That word firstborn there. And, and the commentators would like to say, well, it's left kind of vague just so we would struggle over the word. Because some Some cults take this word for firstborn to say Jesus was born. He was created. But when you look at the context of the passage and then the rest of Scripture, it doesn't say that. Jesus has always existed. So whether he was the firstborn or not, right? So he was born as a man. He he, He added humanity, but he's always existed, okay? You got the picture? 
But what some would say, oh, Jesus is a half-brother or a brother to Satan. They were both created. No. That's a lie. That's not what this is teaching whatsoever. The only way it would be as in the form of birth is that he was the one that gets the full inheritance. But that's not really what it's saying. What it's saying is Jesus is first place. That is in rank. Okay, That's preeminence. It's to be ranked top, to deserve honor, to deserve glory. He is preeminent. There's no one greater than Jesus because he is God, right? Now, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, submits himself to the Father. But because of that itself, the Father has raised him above all. But yet he is co-equal with the Father. Now we're saying, wait a second, I'm confused here. What I want you to get, we can talk about this more later, but what you need to understand here in this passage, he's teaching us, the Lord God is teaching us, no one's greater than Jesus. He is the greatest of all time. He was never created. He has first rank. He is first in rank. He is God, God the Son, fully God and fully man. And remember, when we get into this book, this letter, it is written to combat the false teaching of the Colossians that the Colossians were having to deal with even on this issue that whether Jesus was fully God and fully man. So, verse 16. I've already gone over this. Okay, I'm sorry. We're behind here. He's creator, right? We've already looked at this in verse 16. But again, it points out to the, the reality, just as John 1, and another passage when you want to look at the deity of Jesus Christ would be Philippians chapter 2, but jo- the Gospel of John chapter 1, we find that Jesus is involved in creating, just as the Father and the Holy Spirit were involved in creation. He is our, therefore our Creator. And then 16 and 17, it goes on. Let me read verse 16. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. And so when you look at this passage, the context of that word for preeminence, it gives us a very clear picture. There's no one that has a higher rank than Jesus because he created it all. He was involved in creating it all. So if anybody says, well, that's not the truth, well, what does the context tell us? This is what the context tells us, that he is above all in rank because he is the creator. And then when we look at this, we see what is it created for? It is for him. So he is the reason (laughs) for him. By him and for him. That is, he is the central focus of creation. And so these little prepositional phrases are interesting. Through him and for him or by him, for him. Then we go on and look in verse 17. It says, he is before all things. And so this is another little prepositional phrase. It is not the word preeminent, but it gives you this feel, this idea that he is first place again. (laughs) And he's before all. All things. And therefore, everything is for Him. And everything exists because of Him. And therefore, He is the everything. Right? 
And again, many commentators, they, they like to go in and talk about a couple of issues here when you look at uh, atoms, right? The nucleus, and then you have the protons and neutrons, and what holds those together, and some tests that they've run. And, you know, you think about the atom bomb or the nuclear bomb, the power, when those things are split apart, the potential, really, that every atom in the universe, if they were to to break apart would be cataclysmic, right? Just one would be cataclysmic. But how they hold together. And so the idea of this word. And so I know I'm speaking above my level here, so bringing it down to Lee's level. It is Jesus that holds it all together. So the Greek word, yes, it's not two different Greek words in your translation. So if you have one translation that says consist and one that says holds together, it's because of the Greek word. It has this idea of both of those within the understanding of that word. Okay, It is Jesus that holds it together. Now some people, you know, there's been that I mentioned in the news a couple, what, a month or so ago about, you know, these possible uh, aliens or UFO sightings, unidentified flying objects, right? That the, the Air Force or the Navy were trying to figure out what those were. Uh, there's been some reasons come up and say this is what those were or whatever. Uh, the reason that I don't think there's any... Uh, life forms outside of the world is because of the narrow margins within. You have to meet these narrow narrow margins to ever even have any form of life at all. Am I correct? Right? It's not happenstance that we exist. At least human life. I suppose there could be some, you know, Thanos or something that's really strong. Anybody out there get that? I don't know. Some massive creature out there that can live within a wider range of those margins. But for human life, for any life on earth, if the earth were to shift out of alignment in any way, the rotation would go too far, we could not live. It is Christ, who, Jesus, who is involved in creation. It is He who holds everything together. Not just that, but our individual lives as well. Why do you exist? Most people don't know why they exist. The world is lost. Lost itself in a lot of false teachings. Not lost itself in the scientific data. They have misread the data and misunderstood the data. Yes, okay, we're getting into some other areas, but yes, everyone has a presupposition. And a lot of our culture is really messed up because they have gone the wrong way. But, who holds us together? Who is the reason we exist reason we can exist. I need a volunteer, an adult volunteer. Some lady out there. 
No, no volunteers. Heather, why don't you come? Oh, Sandy, you come on up. Sandy, I don't know if you're going to give me the, the response I want. So it's the 4th of July, right? And we like to have big bangs. So we're going to light this off here. Okay. And uh, is that a good idea? Is that all right with everybody? What I have here are some firecrackers. See? And, and uh, just hold it still. And I'll get to it here in a minute. But anyway, what happens when you light the fuse? What do you, don't move. Don't move. What happens when you light the fuse? Huh? What happens when you light the fuse? It goes bang, and this has got a whole row of them, and they go really bang, right? Lots of them. No, you're supposed to. Just a second. Hold still. Hold still. All right, I want you to hold it out here. No, just seriously, hold it out here. If you're going to volunteer, you've got to do it the way I said. Okay, hold it out here. i just got to show them something, okay? Close your eyes. No. So I thought she trusted me more. Just hold it there for a second. Okay, so I'm not very close. All right, thanks. You, you did a good job. But I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to light them off in here. Big bang, right? Get a big bang. We, we celebrate the 4th of July because of our independence. And just, you know, when you think about a firecracker, the explosion here, it's just minimal compared to what could happen with an atomic bomb or a nuclear bomb or anything like that. And it should remind us, who has the power? The Lord Jesus, right? That's why he's the greatest of all time. He has the power. He has the authority. He is the one who is in control. Who holds it all together? It is Jesus. And so Jesus is everything. Um, Any success, therefore, should go... The glory should be His, right? Any success we ever have, when we're in pain, who should we go to? The Lord Jesus. When we're struggling emotionally, when we're struggling in any way, when things are going well, go to Jesus. You know, I I love what Ron Brown says, and he was talking to the kids about all that we do, even push-ups and, and running. So when Ron Brown was here, uh, the kid showed up. He got to do fun drills, even tackling a, a dummy and, and catching the ball. But I don't think that they signed up or came to run sprints. Okay? Yeah, but they had to run sprints. I don't think they came to do push-ups. But they had to do push-ups, right, Josh? And they were getting tired. And he's like, keep doing it. Keep going. Why? And all things... We should do it the best that we can for the greatest one ever. The one who means everything. The one who is everything. Do it for Jesus. Do we give our all? And so the preeminent Messiah is a believer's comfort and stability in a difficult world. But really, we could change it and say, He gives us purpose. He is our purpose. The third impact, right? 
think of impact when you light one of these things. The third impact of this passage is the preeminent Messiah is our benevolent ruler. And for those of us in the family, we need to understand here in verse 18, and really this is getting on to some other points, but he is also head of the body. That is, in this passage, it points to the fact that he is first place. He is the boss. He is the ruler. So he is also head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning of the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. And so there's a lot, and I don't have the time to unpack verse 18. Jesus is the first one to conquer death and to live forever. And only he can, and only he could, and only he can give you eternal life. But he brings us into this body, this family, the church. And therefore, he is the ruler of our lives. And He is the ruler of everything. And therefore, He should have preeminence or He should be first in our lives. You know, if Jesus is indeed preeminent, there should be no reason for fear. I mean, we may have fear, but we should be able to run headlong into that fear knowing that Jesus is in control. If Jesus is preeminent, there should be no other priority above Him. Right? We we may have a list of priorities, but who should always be at the top of the list? Who should drive our list of priorities? Lord Jesus. And if Jesus is preeminent, then we should obviously follow and obey Him. Very successful people are missing uh, something in their life. You'll see it case after case, individual after individual. They had it all, but they were missing something. It was Jesus, or it is Jesus. And even as a believer, if we have it all, or if we have what we think we need for a perfect life, and Jesus isn't first, there'll be that little hole. There'll be something missing. But if Jesus is first, if he holds first place in your life, no matter whether you're miserable, whether you're very successful, or if you're just doing okie-dokie, right? You'll have purpose. You'll have a greater drive. Your life will not be empty. Let Jesus fill your life. You know, the preeminent Messiah is a believer's comfort and stability in a difficult world. He's the reason we can celebrate. He's the reason we can rejoice. And I hope as we go out and we, whether we're swimming, eating s'mores, lighting firecrackers or watching firecrackers today, that when we thank Him for the great nation that we're able to live in, the blessings that He's given us, the things that we're able to enjoy that we give Him praise and thanks for who He is, what He's done, and what He's doing for us in our our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, 
We thank you for what you've done for us in sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to pay for our sins. Lord, I pray that, you know, if, if we're sitting here today and we really don't want to put you first, that you just kind of make us miserable. It'd be better to be miserable than just to have a hard heart and not really know what's going on. To be numb to the effects of our sin and numb to the effects of our disobedience. So I pray, Lord, you'd make it very relevant to both believers and unbelievers today. Whether you are first in their life or not. Lord, I pray that we'd all turn to you. And those of us who have turned to you, Lord, that we would follow you faithfully day in and day out for the rest of our lives. Help us to have our eyes open to what it is that you have called us to do, what it is that we are to do, what we should be doing. Lord, help us to have wisdom. And Lord, I just ask your blessing upon each one as they go out, that we would, as we celebrate, that it would be a safe 4th of July, um, Lord, and also just a, a 4th of July where we can not only connect with family, but that we would connect on a deeper level with you and a relationship with you. We thank you for this time. Thank you for um, all that you've done. And Lord, we do ask for rain. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, one aspect of our walk with the Lord and purpose is maybe we're not